welcome to the Inclusive Enterprise Podcast with co-hosts Charlotte and Brian Hughes. Charlotte and Brian are both Fortune 500 corporate leaders turned diversity and inclusion catalysts. Together, they view diversity, equity, and inclusion through the intersectional lens of gender, race, and disability. Every two weeks, you'll hear transformational interviews as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your workplace and career to drive profitable growth through diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Now it's time for your daily dose of inclusive leadership. Welcome to another episode of the Inclusive Enterprise Podcast. Charlotte Hughes here, along with my co-host, Brian Hughes. How are you, Brian? I'm doing well. Looking forward to this episode. Absolutely. We're excited to discuss diversity, equity, and inclusion through the talent life cycle with our special guest, Maxine Carrington, Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer of Northwell Health. Many leaders are embarking on their DEI journey with a focus on the talent life cycle in their own organizations. They're building a comprehensive strategy around talent to maximize DEI, which requires thought leadership, tools, and techniques based on proven best practices and next practices. Northwell Health sets the standard of excellence in healthcare DEI with numerous awards and several years of experience building sustainable solutions. As New York State's largest healthcare provider and private employer, Northwell Health has been named the best health system for diversity in the United States for the second year in a row and made the list for the ninth straight year while remaining in the top spot in the 2021 Diversity Inc. ranking for hospitals and health systems. With 23 hospitals and 800 outpatient centers across New York City, Long Island, Westchester, and Connecticut, areas like we've seen have been hard hit by COVID-19 early on. And a workforce in the trenches of the pandemic every day is keeping employees safe, motivated, and engaged, which is an ongoing challenge. Maxine Carrington has served in progressively responsible leadership roles and has successfully driven team member engagement and development at every level in the health system. Most recently, she served as Deputy Chief Human Resources Officer where she was responsible for the design and implementation of strategic initiatives related to the team member's experience, career, and performance development, change management, workforce diversity, equity, and inclusion, corporate social responsibility, and compensation. And prior to joining Northwell, Maxine was a manager and attorney with the New York City Mayor's Office of Labor Relations. So today... We'll discuss strategy, culture, influence, and explore four key phases of the talent life cycle, which include attract, engage, develop, and advance in order to optimize diversity, equity, and inclusion in organizations now and in the future. Well, welcome, Maxine. Thank Thank you you so much. Uh, Excited to be here. Uh, And also, you know, obviously I'm the one being interviewed. You, but I love these opportunities. You learn so much as well. So thank you for this. Oh, well, thank Appreciate you for it. being with us. Thank you for joining us today. So, let's get okay, started. let's get started. Maxine, from your experience, 
How do chief human resource officers influence CEOs and other C-suite leaders to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, particularly in healthcare when a crisis such as the pandemic and now the Delta variant takes priority? Yeah, you know, one of our values at Northwell, uh, we have this this group of values called the Trulies, and so truly innovative. Um, let's say you've got to be truly courageous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to your point, um, it, it's just required, right? Uh, one, this idea of short view, long view. So yes, we're managing the crisis, um, but what's the long view? What happens after the crisis? And even during the crisis, right? COVID is going to be with us, unfortunately, for a while. So how do we still keep our eye on uh, the broader agenda, uh, the broader strategies that are going to keep us, you know, a great place to work, great place to work for all, uh, help us maintain that standing. So I think it's being intentional and deliberate in conversations. Um, You know, what are we hearing from team members showing them? we're always listening. So from the voice of team members, yes, they're talking about the crisis, but they're also talking about these other things as well, right? Mm -hmm. So very important. Making sure that we're always putting the broader strategy in front of our CEO. uh, That's critically important, inclusive of ED&I, certainly, uh, for all the right reasons uh, to attract, to retain, uh, to make sure we're capturing voice and everyone's voice, right? That everyone feels included. Um, just all critically important. So I think it's just being intentional in all of our conversations to make sure we're talking about more than the crisis. I will say that we are so fortunate at Northwell. Uh, Michael Dowling, our CEO, uh, this has been a top priority for him for years and has demanded of us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that it remains a focus. So I have to to just come out and say it's a little bit easier here uh, because he believes it, as does our leadership. It's been a journey for years, um, for sure. And he has openly declared even racism to be a public health crisis. Uh Mm -hmm. Right? So we have... We view it as a crisis among other crises. Well, ha- having a CEO who is an, a true inclusive leader is very helpful to an Absolutely. HR function or an EDI function in that area. So what about your team itself, Maxine? Talk a little bit about the HR function, the team members in your area. What makes them superbly performing as evident by the awards that you uh, win every year? Yeah, again, I'm grateful for this amazing team. I met with them just earlier today as we focus on so much related to vaccine and everything going on and just express to them how grateful I am personally for them. We wouldn't be here without them. So number one, uh, alignment. You know, we have conversations often about the strategy and a core piece of our strategy is ED&I. The other thing is this isn't just HR. Uh, and Northwell prides itself on that, that this has never been an HR initiative. Uh, this isn't this is true to our identity. It's part of our fabric. Right. This is an organizational imperative. HR, uh, we are partners. Uh, we get to help lead the strategy and design it, architect it, of course. But it's partnership uh, with the entire organization. So I think we have that recognition 
Uh, one, again, it, uh, coming from Michael Dowling, uh, coming from other senior leaders, this is critically important. We talk about how we hold ourselves accountable to the strategy. I also say at Northwell, we've got some healthy competitions. So while we've got the enterprise-wide strategy within our hospitals, within our teams, there's always this desire to come, you know, be the best, to be mm-hmm. innovative, to come up with ideas. Uh, in any area of our strategy. So that helps. But coming back to alignment, you know, we set um, a goal uh, not so long ago, this concept borrowing from the Society uh, for Human Resources to be a great place to work for all. And so when we started looking at our engagement data, we started looking at it across multiple demographics, right? And so we could take a blanket approach that all employees have you know, this type of experience or that, but we wanted to dig a little bit deeper. You know, what's the experience of African-American team members, of uh, female team members, of LGBTQIA plus team members, right? And so let's compare the data. What are we seeing going in, coming out along various uh, points in the life cycle? What are they telling us? That was important for us to, to see. And I think when we started seeing that there were some differences, that was an alarm for us, right? Mm -hmm. Something's going on here that we need to address because in the long term, it could compromise everything that we're trying to do around attracting and retaining, you know, a top quality workforce. The other thing I'd say is where we sit geographically, being in New York, being in the New York metro area, certainly very diverse geography. And so from a health equity standpoint, uh, how do we not have a diverse workforce, right? Mm. We are not then building a sustainable vision, a sustainable strategy to be sensitive to the needs of our patients and communities. And so a lot of education uh, to work in HR here, you have to be competent, uh, culturally sensitive to that, uh, trained. It's just part of who we are. Uh, Thankfully, we're further along because we started this journey a while back. Um, but the, the team understands that and they're committed to do it. Well, it's clear that you have a great leadership and you model the way, obviously, and your team is, is consistent with the values that you hold and execute on that. And often DEI efforts fall in many organizations on just one person, a chief yeah. diversity officer, chief HR officer, or a single leader. So how do you invite others in to impact culture change? Yeah, I love that question. So we, um, you know, listening is something we talk a lot about at Northwell, making sure we're listening. And so um, 10 years ago, Northwell formed uh, its Center for Equity of Care. And the focus in that context would be primarily on health equity, uh, patients, community, supplier diversity as well, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Broad strategy around gender. On the workforce side, I would say we had our ERGs, our business employee resource groups, our BERGs, as we call them here. Um, And that was it, along with some education. Uh, A couple years ago within HR, we formed Fair Employment Practices. And that team would then be charged with architecting the parallel workforce EDI strategy. First thing we did, uh, okay, team, you are now formed. Get out to the organization and talk to team members, talk with team members, talk with leaders, physicians, everyone, and listen. Um, That was one part of the charge. The other was uh, talk with them about the business case, the why. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and also definitions. What do we mean by diversity? What do we mean by inclusion? What do we mean by equity? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, What's the difference between a quota quota and a goal? (laughs) Right. Very good point. Mm -hmm. And so over a thousand lives touched in those conversations. And this was before George Floyd, I might add, which was the major reckoning, obviously, for so many companies. Mm -hmm. And they listened. And so that certainly helped. We also studied other organizations. Uh, We attended sessions where we listened to Johnson & Johnson's journey and other healthcare organizations, Advocate Aurora, for example. You know, what was their path? And we saw listening being such a key part of this because we would get it wrong if we just developed the strategy in a room (laughs) by ourselves. And so listening to our team members, uh, one, around their experience through those conversations, through the data I mentioned earlier as well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What were they saying about EDI, perception of our commitment, about their lived experience here, and what would they need to see? in the form of programs, services, policies, et cetera. And then we benchmarked and we put it all together to start to really formulate the strategy. And that's just how we do everything at Northwell. Um, We've achieved great place to work. Engagement, believe it or not, coming out of COVID, we were at 91st percentile in team member engagement from the uh, the 70s, I should add, before that. Mm -hmm. So listening and, you know, uh, inclusion and decision-making is so important to us before, mm-hmm. you know, before this period, before. right? Right. So this concept of listening, being inclusive, building relationship, understanding that if we can get that right or close to right, it helps us with everything else we need to do. Um, so I think that's critically important. So it's just in our fabric, our identity, uh, whatever it is that we're applying that to. Well, it's also good to hear that you are not in a, a silo Uh, or industry around what best practice means, but actually you're looking outside of your industry for inspiration as well and validation. It's that evidence-based culture in healthcare, you know. That's (laughs) right. That's right. Right. You benchmark. uh, Yeah. It's just how we try to operate. Mm -hmm. Well, let's uh, think about the whole notion between 2020 and 2021, which essentially launched a reset button for everyone. And, if you had the chance to start fresh, mm-hmm. just think of 2022 as the, the restart, what would you do to set up DEI through the talent life cycle successfully? And I say that because I think there are some organizations that have not yet started or they now realize the importance of connecting those dots and referencing how do we attract and engage and develop and advance talent. So yeah. your thoughts on that? You know, a couple of thoughts uh, and recommendations to organizations, teams that are that are setting out uh, lessons learned. You know, again, we were on this journey before uh, the major reckoning that happened. And, and that was a point of, uh, I don't want to call it pride, but we appreciated that. So it's not as if we started the conversation after George Floyd and others were murdered. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We had started the conversation before we had been building the relationships before we had been listening before. So I think foundationally, if those things aren't there, you don't really start the conversation with, okay, now we're going to work on EDI. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, fundamentals, you, right? Fundamentals, right? Mm-hmm. How do you view me as a human being? 
Do you see the humanity in me? What are the conversations we're having around that? Do you treat me with dignity and respect culturally, right? Mm -hmm. Is that our environment? Because as we know, we can increase representation in numbers, but if the environment and the culture isn't set up to make me feel included, you're not going to retain those numbers. So in parallel, Mm -hmm. and that starts with building relationship and you start relationship with listening. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, sort of what we did, that's like just the number one recommendation I would make. Take the time. Don't jump to put pen to paper. Mm -hmm. Take the time to go out and listen. Right. And just the line around a set of questions. I mean, Professor Google is everyone's best friend. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) So much has been done. And so before pen to paper, and even if you do, uh, don't share it yet, you know, get out there and listen to the workforce. Mm-hmm. What are they experiencing? What are they sensing? What ideas do they have? Right? Yes. Uh, before you start to formalize a strategy. The other thing I would say about strategy is uh, you can choose to be continuously reacting or you can choose to have a longer view. What's the multitude, uh, the um, uh, longitudinal strategy, if you will, over what number of years? What are the milestones? How are you going to measure success? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So if you think about growing pipelines, tapping into communities, tapping into HBCUs, okay, that's great. What does this look like over several years? And how are you going to measure success, uh, you know, over time? Critical. Um, yeah, very, uh, for sure. So, Uh, Those are some of the things. Uh, One other note, uh, you mentioned CSR earlier, corporate social responsibility. Mm -hmm. When we started developing that strategy, we embedded ED&I within it uh, because we view it as a responsibility as well. So we didn't try to make it off the side of a desk. Part of our organizational strategy is part of our corporate social responsibility strategy. So that's just another flag. How does this get integrated into the day-to-day and how you view the organizational strategy versus as a side project? Mm-hmm. Um, so just another uh, thing I think for folks starting out to think about. It'll stick uh, a lot longer. <laughs> Absolutely. And so even if you don't have a structure in place, you're really essentially saying it's the fundamentals of relationships, That's building right. trust, listening clearly, and then responding in an appropriate way. (laughs) Do something. uh, Listen, research, and obviously listening is part of that research internally, externally. Be a student, right? Mm -hmm. And really study first. There's so many lessons learned um, that you don't need to relearn them. Yes, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Um, and then measures of success. How are you going to gauge that over time? You know, we're setting out on this uh, path to test the business case within our organization. We know what the research, the literature says mm-hmm. about the business case for ED&I. We want to actually see it come to life at Northwell. Does it actually improve profitability? Does it actually improve out- outcomes? We want to see that over several years and be able to say, look, yes, it does work. And we saw it ourselves. Um, So that's one of our goals. Proof of concept, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And ROI. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not unusual for some senior leaders to lack some diverse networks and experience. It's not unusual. But how do you help them evaluate the diversity of their current social and professional networks 
And what are the implications of that when we think about the talent life cycle in terms of their decision making? You know, I mentioned earlier listening and research and measures of success, education, education, education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, we formed at Northwell recently in partnership with the Center for Equity of Care, as well as our corporate university. Um, it's the Center for Learning and Innovation uh, Inclusion Academy. So Inclusion Academy brings together EDI learning, whether it's patient community facing, uh, team member, workforce. Uh, we also want to start to develop education for families, uh, for children, mm-hmm. um, so that we're really um, looking at the entire household uh, that our team members are part of, not just the t- team member. Mm-hmm. And one of the courses we developed is inclusive leadership. It's a two-part course, and uh, it touches on so much. Just uh, we borrow from uh, Deloitte's six inclusive traits of mm-hmm. inclusive leadership, uh, and we focus also on unconscious bias. There is a great exercise if you've ever done it. I'm sure the trusted mm-hmm. ten exercise. Yes. yes, absolutely. Right, yep. folks list out people yes. they trust, That's not right. family, uh-huh. and then we, you know, we of throw course. out the Democrats. Absolutely, yeah. and it proves itself, right? It proves itself. Mm-hmm. There is no more uh, of a jarring example than mm-hmm. seeing on the page what your group looks like. Exactly. And we just pause for effect mm-hmm. <laughs> once they do that exercise. And I would say thousands of our, we are 77,500 plus uh, folks in, at Northwell. Yes. Uh, thousands have gone through one. Un- conscious bias education with that exercise. Mm-hmm. Then we say, okay, now through that lens, what are the implications for who gets promoted? Uh, performance review conversations, uh, decisions around all kind, you know, all employment actions, right? Mm-hmm. And then, all right, now carry that all the way through. So now you don't have an inclusive team. Okay, you're in a room and you're trying to solve for a business challenge. Are you truly bringing diverse perspectives to that challenge to help you effectively solve it? What might you be missing? Uh, What are consequences, unintended consequences? So we just talk through all the scenarios, potentially the pitfalls. Mm -hmm. And it is definitely an aha, uh, inspiring conversation. For sure. So I think education is just so critical. Absolutely. And and it seems like the ability to reflect on that gives yeah. some exposure to the level of empathy that a leader could have or lack thereof um, based on right. those experiences or the interactions that they may have more limiting. Absolutely. And even asking, you know, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. That is <laughs> a good question. Yeah. And they're forced to, and I would say, uh, without fail, they all have that aha moment, that pause of, oh my, you know, what is this? And we even talk about an individual level. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be a global citizen? Do you want to learn about others? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or are you comfortable just being within your bubble? Is that the kind of being you want to be? Mm -hmm. So we have these really, again, uh, jarring aha moment uh, conversations on an individual level. And then macro, how does it impact us at an organizational level? Do do you go through a process where individuals who decide they're, they're comfortable in the bubble, that they have to think about their, their fit or add to the organization? 
Yeah, it's a great question. So thankfully, uh, well, not maybe not thankfully, uh, because sometimes I say silence can be a bad thing. Too. Mm-hmm. Um, we've not had anyone say they're, they're comfortable being comfortable. Right. Oh, and to the contrary, mm-hmm. it's, well, I recognize that I've gotten comfortable with this and that's not okay. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about as an organization, what are our commitments? Uh, what are imperatives? So beyond the individual, what does Northwell expect of you as a leader, uh, as a team member? Right. Mm-hmm. And so individually, you may not be ready to meet us there, but organizationally, this is where we're heading. You know, and so you're coming with us or you're not because we are heading in that direction. So it is that um, I would say kind of a two part view, uh, the individual and the organization. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So for the great resignation, we all have heard about that, right? It involves a range of people and part of it is the expectation that there has been some misalignment between Mm -hmm. employers and employees with the work to live or live to work philosophy. So how do you go about creating flexibility, which seems to be key these days to attract diverse talent? A number of uh, things. And again, this gets at again, this concept of uh, the programs and the culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so the culture means we have to normalize well-being. We have to normalize taking breaks. We have to normalize flexible, flexible work. How do we normalize conversations, Uh, leaders talking about, uh, you know, taking breaks, leaders talking about balancing, you know, the children and and the family responsibilities, the elder care responsibilities with work Mm -hmm. and how we lean in and support. You know, I was speaking with a colleague earlier who's a new dad uh, returning today from paternity leave. And we talked about the integration, right? And I said to him, yeah, last week I ran down the street to the dentist and got uh, got a filling done, came back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's a day in the life right. um, of that balancing. I joked with him about having my little one uh, while on a phone call changing a diaper and, and other things I won't share. But, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that constant balancing. But by having a conversation with him of, hey, I'm going to be here to support you. And I've lived through it, so I certainly know and am sensitive to it, right? Right. So the conversations, the storytelling, how do we through, um, you know, our internal ads, uh, panel discussions, any format we can think of, uh, storytell and have our team members tell the stories of their lived experiences and how they've tried to balance Mm -hmm. and leaders who supported them. Right. Because that then becomes the standard. Right. Uh, and we're saying it's OK. Mm-hmm. Um, programs that um, we launch. So one, what are we messaging externally uh, to our candidates about the culture they're coming into and how they'll be supported? Yes. Very important. Mm-hmm. The awards we receive for being a healthy workplace and all of those things. People look at that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we just, for example, launched a returnship program. So for people who've been out of the workplace uh, workforce for a few years, uh, we're providing them a pathway in. uh, Learning from other companies who've done it. We just launched that last week. And so a group of folks are coming in. They start with orientation, sort of like an apprenticeship model. And then it's a pathway into permanent employment with us. So that's a start, and we're hoping to grow that for sure. So that's just another example. 
That is a great example. And it clearly indicates how you are always looking for ways to continuously improve and also do it in real time with what the circumstances are for the organization and for individuals and communities that your employees live or prospective candidates live in. Indeed, you know, well said. And I, I think culturally too, you know, healthcare, uh, it's a high touch people oriented business. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, well, I had a leader who used to say, we're not in the business of making widgets. <laughs> we rely on <laughs> yes. people work on the equipment. And um, this aspect of culture, so pre-pandemic, we did have some back-end functions that were remote mm-hmm. uh, and folks working in other states, but it certainly wasn't on the scale. When the pandemic hit, we sent over 10,000 team members to work remotely. I see. That was game changing for us. We've been talking about remote work. We've been talking about hybrid and looking at our policies. It forced us to go there faster and it showed we could do it. Right. right? It was a experiment. And now uh, we're uh, creating uh, this model work well. And the concept is hybrid lives on, flexibility lives on, uh, being sensitive to you as a whole person mm-hmm. and how we can encumber you to give your best. Even if that means someday it's at home, yes, <laughs> or Starbucks, and some days it's in the the office, or you know wherever we can do it. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that's just another flexible adjustment we've made. Well, it sounds also like there's a a I don't know whether it's one person's role or responsibility, but there is a reflective moment that the organization takes with everything that goes on. And yeah. it, it, is it, there are examples that you're providing based on just that. Is there someone who, or committee or organization that is responsible for doing that kind of reflection? That's a great question. And that speaks to, you've got to dedicate resources, right? Uh, carve out time for folks to focus on it. So we do have a work well committee uh, who's been charged with that. Uh, one, you know, what does engagement, re- remote engagement look like? Right. Uh, re- remote leadership look like, mm-hmm. you know? So focused on that and the training that comes with that, um, that focus. Uh, two, uh, what does it look like to bring team members back into certain settings? You know, our hospitals are our hospitals. You've got to be on site for that. Mm-hmm. We've got team members who love that work. They're in the trenches. That's mm-hmm. They live for that. That's their life. <laughs> so, yeah. But in our other settings, uh, what does it mean to bring folks back safely at a certain capacity, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a health and safety consideration as well. Mm-hmm. So all of that being worked on, the education, as I mentioned, um, and then we're creating uh, these hubs, sort of like a WeWork, uh, where team members will be able to uh, reserve space, yes. office space, collaboration spaces, and uh, that goes live September 7th. So we're really excited. It's oh, new good. for us. Yes. And they're called uh, work well hubs. So, um, yeah, just another adjustment for us. We've got a whole committee working on that. Very good. Yeah. Cool. And out of state uh, request as well oh, to work out. Right. Oh. Yeah, they're managing them. Very good. Well, mm-hmm. we I know we've talked a little bit about strategy. I'm curious if you think about the fundamentals. Strategy is about where you are and where you want to be and why. Yeah. From Northwell's perspective, Northwell Health, what is the common strategic DEI talent gap that you see? And why do you think it's most common? And what advice would you give to close that gap? 
rigor. Ah, okay. <laughs> so rigor, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this can't be a flavor of the month. Uh, you know, to the earlier comments about integrating it, embedding it in your operational and your organizational strategy. Mm-hmm. So what's the rigor you put in place to keep this front and center? Uh, are there regular meetings, regular discussions and speaking your organizational language, right? It's nice to say, oh, we met with some employees uh, from diverse work groups and we had a potluck. Um, that's uh, what I call consumption diversity. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> yes. It's really what's the data telling us? Mm-hmm. How are we progressing? What are folks saying? Are people staying longer? Do we see higher engagement? Uh, do we see increased profitability? All those things we talked about earlier over time. Mm-hmm. So I think building the rigor in so that you're constantly discussing it, constantly looking at the data and progress right. is important. And speaking the language of your organization in that, in that mm-hmm. context. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talked about the success measure. Yeah. How are you actually going to measure and articulate success, mm-hmm. you know, over time? Um, and what does that look like? Uh, really important. So those are two uh, gap areas that I, I tend to see for sure. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the different areas, attract, engage, develop, and advance, those typical four key phases, uh, if you could provide, what do you think is the way that Northwell typically goes about being attractive and inclusive in terms of being an employer of a diverse talent workforce? Yeah, you know, I mentioned to you a couple of years ago, we formed Fair Employment Practices, and um, there is a group that we brought together. So Fair Employment Practices takes the lead. Um, Within that group, or joining that group, we've got operational leaders from throughout the organization. Uh, our recruitment division, uh, another team we call uh, career and performance development. They are a modern form of talent management. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's our succession planning, talent assessment, et cetera, et cetera, chart group. Our veterans uh, group uh, leadership, Northwell, is very committed to, uh, you know, attracting and retaining veterans and supporting them. So it's a multidisciplinary group for sure. And they kind of uh, set the strategy for us uh, and we go from there. Uh, So everything from the representation in our ads, you know, right out of the gate, what are people seeing visually about the people who work here? Mm -hmm. And we don't just use stock ads. We use real people like me. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I've seen on your LinkedIn where your talent acquisition representatives are communicating and sharing their personalities and what they're looking for and really engaging in a very person-to-person way as opposed to a feeling of an ad, per se. That's right. And so, uh, you know, there's that the partnerships we form with other organizations, um, you know, whether it's the Black MBA Association and others doing resume writing workshops uh, for them. And, you know, it's just a way to make a connection, um, signal to the world who we are and what we're about and what we're committed to for sure. Mm -hmm. And that we can learn from others as well. Very important to us as we try to uh, continuously improve to your earlier comment. you know, those are some of the items. When we're doing succession planning, uh, we are looking at um, certainly diversity. Um, you know, who's bubbling up to the top? How are we surfacing them in, in a number of ways, right? Mm-hmm. So succession planning for sure. 
diverse slate. Uh, we require a diverse slate in hiring right now for director and above roles. Okay. Uh, or director and beyond, as I prefer to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not trying to reinforce hierarchy. Um, so that's required. Uh, our executive uh, short-term incentive bonus program Uh, We are measured in part based on the perception our team members have of our commitment to diversity. And so if that's high, we're doing better from a bonus standpoint. If it's not high, we're not doing better (laughs) from a bonus standpoint, right? And so making sure uh, it's a compensated measure, uh, that's just, you know, yet another example. Um, You know, the interviewing, we train all hiring managers have to participate in unconscious bias education. All of our recruiters have to participate in unconscious bias education. And that's just embedded in a program we call Hiring for Success. And so we're trying to, one, educate for the right reasons, heart, mind, and soul, right? Yes. But also look at bias in our processes. We are going to move toward blind resumes uh, soon, just trying okay. to... Um, set that up with technology, et cetera. But uh, we're moving in that direction. Just again, learning from other uh, companies for sure. Very good. Those are just a few examples. Yeah. Perfect. And any other thoughts that you have around opportunities as it relates to development? You've made it clear that there are some required learning opportunities. Uh, Mm -hmm. How are employees encouraged to self-develop? Yeah, great question. So, um, and I would say that's an area of development. I mentioned the Inclusion Academy we formed. Mm-hmm. So no shortage of courses there um, that folks can tap into. Uh, within our annual required learning, uh, all team members participate in, you know, this, the anti-sexual harassment, the uh, non-discrimination, but also the commitment to an inclusive, diverse workforce education. So all folks participate in that. We are looking at the new hire experience. So as folks come in, mm-hmm. what are some of the first things we're talking about and introducing in this context to them, right? Which really will signal much about our identity and what we're committed to. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about as a team right now. So we've got that, the required stuff you mentioned. Sure. We've got um, Inclusion Academy. Uh, those are two. Uh, through our business employee resource groups, We also are focused on their development. So we offer programs like our uh, diversity mentoring program. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to be a member of a business employee resource group to be considered for that program, right? Uh, We are also partnering with McKinsey on a program they've got uh, focused on EB&I for African-American, Latino, and Asian leaders as well. Mm -hmm. You'll have to be a member of the business employee resource group to participate. Um, so, you know, a lot in flight, a lot that we're learning and we'll just keep developing for sure. But those are some of the earlier programs we're engaged in now. I like the fact that you have made the business resource groups a prerequisite for continuous learning, which is, is not always the case. Um, but it's clear that you have not only the employees, but also leaders taking on leadership roles within the BRGs to really develop on in real time and develop those relationships and strategy and execution skills as well. That's right. And just forming a community of commitment, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but then 
through as they're involved and committed to the organization, we're also committed to their development for sure. And so it's been a nice uh, pairing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense. When you think of any other success practices or best practices, is there something that comes to your mind as advice and guidance for others to be effective? To be effective. And I would say, you know, it's amazing. Um, Our engagement survey, we we are one of those places that still surveys. uh, (laughs) (laughs) There are many who do. That's not a lost art. Still doing it. Right. Um, You know, we try to get at a lot. And Edie and I is definitely a focus of our surveys. Amazingly, we continue to score really high in the 90s. Um, You know, that measurement of perception of our commitment to EDI. We score in the 90s and it has increased year after year. So I think our team members are seeing us do something well there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sure, just all of the programs, the education, uh, the culture we're trying to build of inclusion. We have to go stronger on increasing representation. Um, So I know you uh, asked about another practice. I would say, Northwell, it's this idea that we're never complacent. I would say that is a good practice. Mm -hmm, That is. (laughs) Because we've won awards, we think we've arrived, right? And Mm -hmm. so we commit to the concept of Kaizen, right? Continuous improvement. Where, what have we not embarked on? What have we not yet done? And then how do we get there? Mm-hmm. So I would say to organizations, you've got to, we have to remain humble around this. And every time you think you've come really far, a team member will help you meet the reality <laughs> pretty quickly mm-hmm. that there are gaps. Yes, there's more work <laughs> to be done. There's more work to be done for yeah. sure. And mm-hmm. so I think humility is uh, really a strong practice as well because it'll keep you focused on, yeah, that continuous improvement. Right. How do we do better? And then listening to our team members for sure. Very sage advice. And it, it is also the things that don't cost anything, right? That's right. That's it doesn't right. cost anything but time and effort. That's right. Essentially. I think. You know, we are viewing our team members more. We used to say employee centered, then it became employee as partner. Now we're talking a lot about relationship. What does a healthy relationship look like? A long-term healthy relationship. How do we tap into the science of that? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And lifting Mm -hmm. and communicating is such, is so core. It (laughs) is. So we don't have that right. We can't really execute on anything else. Right. And even McKinsey's research on the future of work, the skill sets of adaptability, building relationships, emotional intelligence are all critical capabilities, regardless of the industry you're in. Agree. And, you know, the other item uh, within inclusive leadership, we talk about self-disruptive behavior, self-disruptive leadership. Mm -hmm. How are you? constantly questioning your thoughts, self-disrupting your beliefs, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, just being your own individual checks and balances if you can to make sure um, you're not settling into beliefs that don't really further uh, you or the organization being self-disruptive. That's right. Very important, Uh, particularly in the world we live in today, right? Absolutely. You will have to think things through whether you like it or not. (laughs) Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Maxine, for sharing your deep expertise and practical advice and inspiring vision on this topic. 
the talent lifecycle offers a framework to measure DEI success. And you've brought real-world perspective to our listeners on their DEI journey, really meeting them where they are as they strive to be employers of choice and the best place to work for all, as you said. So we look forward to continuing to follow your work and adapt your next and best practices to drive sustainable growth across industries and throughout the diverse communities that we all serve. So thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. And if you haven't subscribed to the Inclusive Enterprise Podcast yet, please visit inclusiveleadersgroup.com and do so. While on our website, to subscribe, also visit our Thought Leadership Resources page and download free resource guides on intersectionality, allyship, race in the workplace, and much, much more on DEI for your use on the job. So join us in two weeks for more of the Inclusive Enterprise Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.